What's up, everybody? This is Wildcat Radio 2.0. I'm Adam Green. He's Brett Barry. And, Brett, a week ago we were talking about the beginning of the Tommy Lloyd era in Tucson. A week later, a week into that era, not too shabby, right? Tommy Lloyd, we've learned now that he's retained both Jack Murphy and Jason Terry as assistant coaches. Cool. Kirk Carissa, who went to the transfer portal, has come out of the portal. He's sticking with Arizona. Uh, They got a commit from Dylan Anderson, who's like a four-star for the class of 2022. Got a transfer from Gonzaga, Umar Ballo is what we're that's what we're gonna call him because neither of us are totally sure. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna call him Big O. Big. <laughs> well, there was you know, I mean I think he's supposed to be called Baby Shack actually. So, but I thought Glenn Davis was also Baby. No, he was Big Baby. I don't know. At any rate, Tommy Lloyd <laughs> in about seven days or so as Arizona's coach has done a pretty damn good job. Yeah, you know I think the big concern with the coaching change somewhat mitigated by the way the transfer portal operates nowadays and with COVID, you know, red shirt rules kind of going out the window, you know, you, you'd hope that you'd be able to field a roster, but the big fear was there's going to be a lot of turnover. You know, Kirk Carissa puts himself in the transfer portal. James Akinjo does, um, you know, Carissa has come back. You know, I think the, the, the scuttlebutt is that Akinjo maybe, maybe not, um, you know, we'll we'll see, but so far, you know, so good. And if you're not getting James Akinjo, I mean, you didn't even mention that we are suddenly, you know, Ty Ty Washington, uh, a, a local Phoenix product, high-end uh, recruit, went from a top five to a top five plus one when he announced his top <laughs> five to include Arizona, which is, you know, not an accident, I think, after the hiring of Tommy Lloyd. And, and probably it's not insignificant either that he would include no, him at this point. And it's probably very related to James Akinjo's decision because um, there's also still a, a scholarship roster crunch. But, you know, right now you're saying the early returns are, are pretty good. Uh, you know, you're seeing the makings of a roster that looks like it could be competitive. I think there's still some big question marks out there. I, I think the loss of James Akinjo is going to be bigger than people realize, but maybe he's not the best fit, uh, assuming he doesn't assuming return. he doesn't come back, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I think the big questions out there are is is really Ben Mathrin at this point, um, and Christian Coloco. And until and Lord they knows, enter the portal, they're still Arizona Wildcats. Like, and the longer it yeah. takes for them to enter the portal, it seems like the less likely they would. It seems yeah, like that. We don't know. They're kids. They could do whatever they well, want. But Lord knows that, and anybody that follows the Twitter handle and follows this pod knows that my my undying love for Kirk Carissa and Christian Coloco has me. You know, longing for them both to return to the Arizona Wildcats next year. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. We're halfway there. Yeah, well, the thing, too, when Tommy Lee was hired, and we talked about it last week, and it's going to be the case for a little while now, is there were people who were disappointed that it's not Sean Miller. That was a lot of the players. You know, and then other Arizona alumni were upset that he wasn't an Arizona alumni. Well, he retained Murphy and Jason Terry, which I assume it's because he wanted to. I don't, I'd like to think that the administration didn't force them on him because he wants to get his guys, but if you're an Arizona alum, you have to feel good about that. 
you know, for the continuity and the fact that they're Wildcats. It's, you know, Jason Terry's one of the all-time great Wildcats. Murph is one of the most diehard. He's, he's a Wildcat through and through. And that shows a little bit of Tommy Lloyd's, his recruiting of the coaches, right? Like his sales pitch to them about how he wanted these guys who did not sign up. There was, I guess, a relationship between Murphy and Tommy Lloyd going back for a little while. So that one made a lot of sense. There was a lot of talk like Jason Terry, who knows? He came to coach under Sean Miller for the year. He wanted to be the head coach. He interviewed for the head coaching job. Would he be Tommy Lloyd's assistant? Well, yes. That speaks really well of Tommy Lloyd right off the bat. You know, that these guys who didn't sign up to coach with coach under him decide to stick around. They didn't have to do that. They did. And then you have Kirk Carissa, who goes back from the portal to Arizona. He didn't have to do that because he didn't sign up to play for Tommy Lloyd. And the guys who have yet to enter the transfer portal, everybody's afraid that they will, and they might eventually. We don't know, but they haven't yet. You know, Arizona had a video the other day they put out of a practice. Tommy Lloyd going through a little bit of a practice with these guys. Ben Matherin was there. Kristen Coloco was there. Jordan Brown was there. You know, Isaluz Tabellis and his brother were there. So it's like, yeah, they could go to that and then eventually enter the portal and leave. Just because they're at that practice doesn't mean that they're going to be Wildcats next season. But they haven't transferred yet. They're giving Tommy Lloyd time to make his pitch to them, to kind of show what type of coach he is, what type of system he wants to run. And the early returns seem to be like when Tommy Lloyd gets a chance to recruit you, you want to join with Tommy Lloyd. Yeah, it's, you know, like I said, so far so good. You're feeling pretty pretty solid. I think, you know, maybe we're not going to be a preseason top 15, 20 team next year, but I, I, I feel like Arizona's going to be fielding a competitive roster, and I'm curious to see how uh, Tommy Lloyd can re-recruit guys back and into the into the the system. You know, they lost uh, Simpson, the the one commit that was KJ coming Simpson, in. Yeah. You know, there's the other couple guys that I don't think there's been any movement on, but you know, we'll see if they that they they maintain their commitment. But you know, the it's this is what you're supposed to feel when you have a new a new coach, especially at Arizona, a program like Arizona. You're feeling like there is optimism. You feel like there is a path forward to success, both in the long term and the short term. Well, that's weird too, because usually when you have a new coach at a place like Arizona, it's because the previous coach didn't do a good job. You're coming off a bad season. Things are just cratered. You know, usually don't fire a coach when you have a projected top 20 team coming back. Like, that's rare for not just Arizona, for anyone. Sure. You know, I wonder, because Tommy Lloyd, obviously, their pressure is on. You know, he has to hit the ground running. And we're going to talk to Justin Spears from the Arizona Daily Star in a little bit, and he's going to talk to him about Tommy Lloyd, too, and how the vibe has been, because I feel like he didn't have to necessarily win over people that he was the right hire or that he's a good coach, right? People believe that, hey, he's a good coach. He can recruit. But he still had to win people over in that, well, he's better than he's going to be better than Sean Miller was, and he's going to be better than, say, Damon Stoudemire or Miles Simon or whoever would have been. And it's not that he has to prove himself as a coach like, say, Jed Fish had to. Like, Jed Fish had to win a lot right. of people. Even us, like, when he first got out, a lot of people were like, huh, Jed Fish? And he slowly, with his moves, with his – recruiting of the transfer portal with the staff he built, with the players he able to bring back and everything, started to win people over. Tommy Lloyd has started to do that in the first week on the job. And it wasn't that he had to win over people say, I can coach them, or like, that I'm the right coach for Arizona. And the one thing that's kind of stuck out to me, and I've read some of the interviews and seen some of the stuff, is that how he's made it clear that he was at Gonzaga for 20 years, 22 years, and he loved Gonzaga, and he wasn't planning on leaving unless Arizona offered him the job that this was the one job. There's a lot of people that, oh, well, he's just going to leave for Gonzaga when Mark Few retires, which might be in 10 years, 12 years, who knows. The way he's talking was like, no, like this was his dream job. Like he loves Gonzaga, and of course if Gonzaga opened up while he was an assistant, he would have taken the job and been happy. 
But this is Arizona, and there are a lot of people that are like, he's just going to build Gonzaga in Arizona, but maybe. But think of Gonzaga with Arizona's resources, with Arizona's reputation, with Arizona's clout on the recruiting trail. And it seems like Tommy Lloyd gets that, and it's what excites him. So in the first week to get a four-star in Dylan Anderson, you know, that's good to get a, in the running for Ty A high four-star, yeah, too. a high four-star. <laughs> to get in the running for Ty Ty Washington, you know, it's going to be really fun to see how Tommy Lloyd can kind of flex the Arizona muscle. And Sean Miller got to do that, too. I mean, Sean Miller was a good recruiter at Xavier, but I don't think he was known as this top-notch stud of a recruiter. He was just a good coach and a good up-and-coming coach. Tommy Lloyd, who was known as an excellent recruiter and a good coach at Gonzaga, now he goes to Arizona and has that. It's like, a, it's like being him on steroids, right? So maybe we're going to see that. And it's only been one week. He doesn't have a full recruiting cycle. But if Tommy Lloyd can go get Dylan Anderson, can get a Ty Ty Washington, can recruit these guys to stick around, a Ben Matherin, you know, and Coloco and Kirk Carissa, if he can do all of that, then it kind of shows that, yeah, the Arizona brand will be fine. It's in good hands right now. Yeah, I, th- I think that's right. And, you know, that was my big concern was during the whole search. If if Tommy Lloyd was the guy from the start and get, you got spurned, boy, that the damage to the brand is is maybe irreparable. But I think so far that my, my, my worst case scenario concerns of the Arizona brand and the long term trajectory were uh, maybe not as well fa- not as likely to occur uh, as I maybe feared. It's and only been I, a week. Like he hasn't expect- coached a game. We don't yeah. know what his scheme looks like and what type of players he can really recruit other than, like, yeah, f- high four-star, you know? And Ballo, who he got from Gonzaga, was a red shirt at Gonzaga, played a little bit last year. He's been a, He looks like a project. He doesn't look like an impact guy coming over. But just the early times, and the same thing with Jed Fish, right, with football. Until he coaches a game, you can't really know. But I think basketball is a little bit easier to project success because obviously there's fewer players on the floor if you get enough really good players you're probably gonna have a good team <laughs> you know so if Tommy Lloyd can bring in good players or keep good players he should have a good team whether he's an amazing head coach you know X's and O's guy or not whereas football there's a lot more that goes into it but still like if you were if you were an Arizona fan who a week ago week and a half ago was well I guess a week ago is when they made the Tommy Lloyd hire official but if you're like oh boy I'm, I'm worried about this and I know there were some out there like you're not totally proven wrong yet. He hasn't coached a game. <laughs> There's still room for this to not work out. But a lot of the concerns you may have had, how will the alumni feel? Well, two were willing to come back and be on his staff. You know, well, how will the current players feel? Well, one who entered the portal who we all really like decided to come back. Most of the others haven't entered the transfer portal, so they seem to be at least okay with what he's selling them right now. Like if those are your concerns, so far they seem unfounded. And that's a really good thing because if you're Tommy Lloyd, you don't – he doesn't have the luxury of struggling early on. You know, said it last week, he doesn't have that luxury. He has to win. He doesn't have to win 27 games this coming up season. But he has to win 20-something and make the tournament, especially with a team that, had they not made a coaching change, was projected to be top 15, top 20. He, he Yeah, he better, you know, sixth place in the pack ain't going to cut it in year one. <laughs> no, right? which is almost it's unfair. In, the, in a normal normal time, a new head coach comes in, they get that logic. So you should not take over a team with high expectations. Well, he's taking over a team that had high expectations until they fired the coach that he replaced, you know? Yeah. I, you know, he's going to – it's like I've said, it's going to be interesting to see if if they have a decent but not great team next year, how much the, the arguments of the old John Miller polls flip. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, my hope is that – of course, as a fan, I'm hoping Tommy Lloyd comes in and kills it. We're win the Pac-12 and make the Final Four, of course. But that'd be nice. You know, that that would be that would be lovely. Um, yeah, I'd, but I'd yeah, I don't. That in year one. 
it, it's a final four bust. That's what I was hearing for the last five years. Um, <laughs> you know, but yeah, you, you know, if you come in and go win, you know, 19 games and barely above 500 in middle of the pack 12, I think then, you know, we'll see what that does to the trajectory, but so far, you know, so good. The trajectory seems to be on the upswing. There's a, there seems to be a new energy in the program. Maybe, uh, the, the cloud is maybe a little bit lifted. It's still there. Um, and who knows, maybe the, the lingering cloud of the IARP resolves in the next couple of months and that goes away too. And then suddenly it's, you know, the, the burden trudging of the last several years of the Sean Miller era maybe are behind us and we can look forward to the future. Oh, that would be nice. And that's kind of the vibe we're getting here. Of course, Brent and I are not in Tucson. Let's take a break. and we come back, we're going to talk to Justin Spears, who is in Tucson, has covered Arizona basketball, Arizona football. There's a lot going on down there. Let's talk to him about it. Welcome back to Wildcat Radio 2.0, and as promised, we are joined by Justin Spears, who he's from the Arizona Daily Star. If we give his entire title, everything he does, I think the podcast will be over. But, you know, Justin Spears, (laughs) Arizona Daily Star, welcome to Wildcat Radio 2.0. Thanks for having me back, guys. Always appreciate the time. I guess first things first, we're recording this on Wednesday, April 21st, 2021. April 21st, 2020. Probably not as busy as April 21st, 2021 from your perspective. I mean, this time compared to this time last year, what a difference. Yeah, talk about a difference. I mean, at this point last year, the NCAA tournament was canceled. The NBA season was suspended. Baseball was on ice. Like, everything was just unknown. Like, we didn't know what was going to happen with sports moving forward because April 21st, so we were about – um, a little over a month into the pandemic at this point a year ago and people were going nuts over toilet paper and hand sanitizer and all this man what a difference but in in the sports world I think at this point last year the only thing really happening was the last dance being aired on ESPN everyone was all excited about watching the Chicago Bulls documentary as I was as well but you know and then this year yeah I'm the in the hiring of him and what he's been able to do this week on the recruiting trail, uh, getting Kirk Creasy to stay with Arizona, keeping Jason Terry and Jack Murphy on his staff, and then you got uh, spring football with Jed Fish. Um, a D- you still have the the high from the uh, Arizona women's basketball team and going to the national championship. You got softball, baseball. I like, I, even though we're still going through the pandemic. I like this. I like this year a lot better than last year. Yeah, because like this time last year, we're wondering when sports are coming back, and I know for you guys, it's like, what are we going to write about? What is there to cover? And this year, now you mentioned Tommy Lloyd gets hired, and with the guys he's brought back, the coaches, the transfers, the bringing Kirk Carissa back. Then you have spring football happening with a new head coach, and you have the women's basketball team, and you have baseball going on. <laughs> like sports are happening, and for Arizona Wildcats sports, Arizona Wildcats athletics. There seems like there's so much going on all at one time. Like, have you had a chance just to kind of just, like, relax and be like, okay, like, have you been able to do that at all recently? Adam, I haven't had a chance to relax since I took the job. (laughs) Because, no, seriously, (laughs) no, seriously, look at this. I was hired late August of 2017. Oh, yeah, September. (laughs) <laughs> what what ha- what happened four weeks later? You don't want to <laughs> talk about later. that. <laughs> yeah. So I've been able to relax maybe the first month 
of being in the job. But ever since then, my goodness, it's just been a constant storm of stuff with coaching changes, with investigations, with scandals on multiple levels. And man, there's just been so much. Um, but you know, like we, we sit here and talk about the difference between last year and this year. Last year, we were just starving for content. We, we were just like, what are we going to do? Because not only are we like on pause now, but what about the dog days of summer? Mm-hmm. You know, what, what's going to happen? And we're kind of thrusted into this position where we're just going to have to come up with so much content. Now, with all this stuff happening, I mean, you guys know just as much as me, it's almost like we're just spoon-fed all of this stuff. And there are so many different angles that you could take. So um, it's a pretty exciting time. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm curious to get your perspective. You know, you kind of cover a little bit of everything, both at the, you know, Daily Star, but also you have the Total BS podcast with our friend Saul Bookman. Um, you know, just in the last, you know, it feels like forever ago, you know, was it the beginning of the pandemic, the end of the pandemic when Sean Miller got fired and the, the coaching search that felt like it took an entire pandemic, but it really was just a week. I'm curious to get your perspective on how that all, all played out and how it landed with Tommy Lloyd. So the tournament ended, and then a few days later, that's when they decided to fire Sean Miller. Well, that's when and we that's know when, they decided to fire Sean Miller. That's when they announced the firing of Sean oh, Miller. Well, when they announced, yeah. <laughs> sure, true, true, true. Um, and, you know, Tommy Lloyd was always this up-and-coming assistant coach who was just bound to get that job, that, that big-time job. Uh or he was just going to stick with Gonzaga, you know, be Mark Few's right-hand man um, until Mark Few decided to retire or, or go elsewhere. But Mark Few is never leaving Gonzaga. He's never, ever going to leave Gonzaga. And so when you look at the timing from when they actually fired Sean Miller, Tommy Lloyd was the first name that came up. And it was it always, to me, seemed like it was Tommy Lloyd's job to lose. Uh, and then you add in the former Wildcats. You, know, you had Damon Stoudemire, Miles Simon, Josh Pastner, all guys that you can make a case could be Arizona's next head coach with their, their past being former Wildcats, um, being coaches now. But then you also have to look at the, the macro part of it. You know, each one of those guys came with a little bit of baggage, right? And Where a guy like Tommy Lloyd, a Colleen Slate, has never had anything go wrong during his time at Gonzaga. And if you're going to hit the reset button, if you're Arizona, you want to get a guy that's got a 100% clean record. Tommy Lloyd has that record. He's also a proven recruiter. He's gotten international guys. He's gotten guys through the transfer market, right? I know the transfer portal is the, the lingo nowadays, but Tommy Lloyd was able to get guys like Kyle Wilcher, guy from Kentucky, transferred, looking for an opportunity. He's also gotten guys from USC and all these other high-profile schools that had players that didn't quite work out but were looking for other opportunities, and they ended up at Gonzaga and shined. A big part of that was because of Tommy Lloyd. So going back to the timeline, you really thought, okay, they're going to – interview all the candidates, give them a fair shake, 
hear what they have to say. Maybe they have some key assistants that they could bring along that could really just give Arizona a nice shot on the arm moving forward. But at the end of the day, it was Tommy Lloyd that stood above the rest. And I am very happy with the hire. And honestly, I'm really surprised by the reaction from Arizona fans. Because it seemed like it was like 50-50. A lot of people wanted the former guys. They wanted Damon and Miles. But then there were also a lot of people that really liked the hire. And I think a big part of it was because Arizona fans kind of learned from the football hire. They learned to not overreact to this guy that just kind of comes out of nowhere and takes a job over a former uh, player. Um, And so far what Jet Fish has done as the football coach is pretty remarkable, uh, getting guys with Division I and NFL coaching experience and also adding in some former players as well. Tommy Lloyd is kind of doing what Jed Fish is doing, um, you know, getting guys with some Arizona flavor, keeping him on his staff, but then he's also going to have his own fingerprints on the program. So all in all, I think it's a great hire, um, but we shall see. Well, and you mentioned, like, with Jed Fish, like, unlike with Jed Fish, you could make an easy case for Tommy Lloyd being ready to be a head coach, right? Like, Fish seemed like he took a tougher sell. He'd been a long-term assistant, different places, you know, bounced around. He wasn't exactly next in line to be a head coach, at least from our perspective, whereas Tommy Lloyd was. And, like, I have to think a lot of the problem people had was that they wanted an alumni. And, yeah, they brought them all in for interviews, whether they got a fair shake or not. They all got to interview for the job. But just because you're an alumni doesn't mean you're qualified to be the Arizona head coach. You know, if they would have just hired Damon Stoudemire, would people have said, that's a home run hire? No, because he's not a home run hire. Miles Simon, Jason Terry, Josh Passner, none of them are home run hires. They would all just be getting hired because they're former Wildcats, which is not a reason to hire someone. Whereas Tommy Lloyd, though, he comes in, and one of the first things he's done is retain two of the assistants, Jack Murphy and Jason Terry, both of whom are Wildcats, keeping that connection. So, like, when I looked at the Tommy Lloyd hire, and Brad and I talked about it last week on the show, it's like Tommy Lloyd makes a lot of sense to be the head coach as long as you can get past the idea of Arizona hiring a career assistant. You know, if that does, if you can get past that, I guess, flaw, if it is even is one, then he checks pretty much every box you'd want to be the next coach at Arizona. And it seems like somebody said since then from his introductory press conference and different interviews, like Arizona was the one job he would have left Gonzaga for. Like it sounds mm-hmm. like he sounds believable. He sounds honest. He sounds humble. He sounds in a way the anti Sean Miller especially in media stuff and interviews. And it might be, he might be the very, the fresh start that Arizona basketball needed, whether he's an alumni or not, who cares as long as he wins. Yeah. Miles Simon is an assistant coach in the NBA. If you take away his past, if you take away his collegiate career, does he check all the boxes to be Arizona's next head coach? No, no, not at all. And he was never a head coach outside of the Lakers summer league team. Uh, Josh Passner, if he was not a Lute Olsen disciple, I don't think Arizona fans would say, oh, that's a great hire. Damon Stoudemire, and this is where I actually disagree with Gilbert Arenas, and I was actually shaking my head with, with what Gil was saying in his video. And, you know, Gilbert Arenas is that crazy cousin or that crazy uncle that you just always shake your head whenever they talk, but you love them and you like being around them because you don't know what they're going to do next. That's Gilbert Arenas, and when he was saying, you know, we need to get Damon Sotomayor because he's a proven coach. He's turned that program around. But then discredit Tommy Lloyd by saying they play an AAU schedule in the WCC. Well, that's the same conference that Damon Sotomayor is playing in. He's actually winning, 
and going to Final Fours. Meanwhile, no offense to Damien, because I think Damien has done a pretty solid job at Pacific. Like, it is not easy to win in Stockton, California, of all places. But, um, you know, a year ago, he got 23 wins, was named WCC Coach of the Year. That's all great. But he still has a sub-500 record in the WCC. You take out who he is, where is his school, is Damon Sotomayor a home run hire? Absolutely not. And, you know, Tommy Lloyd is, I, I keep making that comparison to Jed Fish because, I mean, they kind of are the same person outside of, how they got to this point. Jeff Fish is a journeyman. He's been through so many stops in the NFL and college. Tommy Lloyd, what he told us in, in our one-on-one interview, he's not a mover and a shaker. He's not been all these multiple places. He's been in one spot, which is his home state because he's from Washington. And he's been there ever since then. And he and I make that comparison to Jeff Fish because they both clawed their way into getting head coaching gigs. Tommy Lloyd, Tommy Lloyd um, was a professional basketball player, played in Australia, played in Germany, and then from that point, he went on this backpacking trip with his wife across the world, going through Europe, going through Asia, Australia, Fiji. They managed a hotel for a month. He was checking people in, making eggs, being a bartender for guests. And then when he got back, uh, Don was it Don Monson uh, who got or is, is it Dan or Don? The, the former the, the Gonzaga coach before Mark Few. Let's just put it that way. One of the Monsons. Yeah. One of the Monsons, and he promised Tommy Lloyd the job at Gonzaga, but then he was let go, um, or he was either let go or he moved on somewhere else. But then he told Mark Few, "Hey." There's this guy I promised, like, like a student coaching gig. I told him he could be around the team. Um, so just if he, if he shows up at your doorstep, you know why. Sure enough, Tommy Lloyd shows up at Mark Few's doorstep. He's a volunteer assistant for two years. Tommy Lloyd didn't get paid during that time. How did he pay the bills? Well, his wife got a job at Macy's, and they were living paycheck to paycheck just so Tommy Lloyd could pursue his coaching dream, and then he eventually got the assistant coaching gig on Mark Few's staff. 20 years later, he's at Arizona. Hearing that story, like backpacking, living paycheck to paycheck while he's coaching Division I basketball, to me, Tommy Lloyd seems like just a normal dude. He seems like a hustler and a grinder. And I understand you don't need to be like that kind of guy at a high-profile program like Arizona, but, man, he, he, this is his baby. He finally has that job that he's always wanted. He's going to take it, and he's going to run with it. And I think that's why Arizona fans should be excited. It's not the, the normal, hey, let's get a, a heck, an up-and-coming head coach who's on the rise. He could come here and, and continue the program where, where Lou Olson left it. No, he's a guy that's just a, a great guy. He's a grinder, and he's going to take this program – and just continue it, and and they need it right now. They need a guy like that to lead the program. When Justin, you kind of touched on how he's, you, you're you're talking about how he's kind of a, it's a, it's it's like deja vu all over again of the the Jed Fish hire to some extent. And I would say that, and you touched on how he's a great recruiter. Uh, what's your take so far in terms of 
you know, the early returns have been pretty quick. And similar to Jed Fish, he's been having to recruit both, you know, guys out of the transfer portal. He's gotten some early commits. He's gotten guys pulled out of the transfer portal, just like Jed Fish had to do. You know, they have a transfer from Gonzaga they picked up. They pulled Kirk Carissa out. There's a couple guys he's still probably trying to work on, like Ben Matherin, et cetera. Um, what's, your, what's your take so far? My personal opinion, and this is just speculation. This is not sourced whatsoever. Um, I think he really wanted Chet Holmgren to come out to Arizona, but I think there was like a hot, hot, hot take. Number one player in the country, he wanted to come to Arizona. Arizona. But I think there might have been like a mutual agreement. Hey, if you go, if you go to Arizona, just don't take Chet from me, okay? Like, just make sure Chet goes to Gonzaga, and we're all going to be good, okay? Deal. So Chet's transferring um, to Arizona after next season. Then. <laughs> Man. Consider that a bust if Chad Holmgren is transferring instead of declaring for the NBA <laughs> next year. Um, but I I just think it's it's been great. You know, Tommy Lloyd had a tall task in front of him because he had to prove the Arizona fans who all wanted Damon and Miles and a, a former guy, he's got to prove that he's the right guy. Kind of like Jed Fish right now, right? You know, a lot of people wanted Brennan Carroll or Joe Salavea or somebody else, and they got this quarterbacks coach from the New England Patriots. Well, you got to prove yourself to Arizona fans. Tommy Lloyd, in just a week so far, has proven that you know he's a solid man for this job, and he's got to re-recruit or he's got to re- recruit his own players. Um, you know, some players who were signing up to play for Sean Miller. And they were very upset with their coach getting fired. And James Akinjo was very vocal about it on social media. Same with Kirk Kreese, Azulis Tubelis. I mean, everyone was upset to see Shaw Miller go. So the, the players, you know, that they see this, oh, this Tommy Lloyd guy coming in. You know, who is this guy? And why are you, you know, replacing my coach? Then Akinjo, Kirk Risa, they, you know, dabble with the transfer portal. James Akinjo is still in the transfer portal. We don't know uh, what the deal is with him. But Kirk Risa was recruited by Sean Miller. You know, his only year playing college basketball was under this man. So is he going to trust Tommy Lloyd? So he started looking elsewhere. But I think after sitting down with Tommy Lloyd and hearing the plan for him moving forward. I think he finally bought in, understood that, okay, this is a guy that's coached a lot of great international talent. I could be another guy under his direction that could produce big numbers. And Kirk Creesa, I think, is a very smart man for staying with Arizona because you look across the roster, there isn't a single ball handler outside of maybe Dale and Terry. I mean, Dale and Terry, I know, can, can dribble the rock, but outside of that, there's not really anybody. So Kirk Risa is going to play for this guy who's known for coaching international talent and is probably going to start next year at Arizona. And he's named after Steve Kerr. <laughs> so, like, like, how the hell are you going to go anywhere else if you're named after Steve Kerr? No, you, you belong at Arizona. But then... He's, you know, Tommy Lloyd is setting himself up for the future, getting uh, Dylan Anderson, the seven-footer out of Phoenix, who's a four-star big and is very versatile and was going to go to Gonzaga. 
um, because of Tommy Lloyd. And with Jack Murphy and Tommy Lloyd kind of tag-teaming the, the recruiting pitch on him, they were able to snag him. So they already have a commit for 2022. There's tr- they're trying to keep the 2021 guys signed, and they made a priority to keep the current guys um, on the team. And all the moves that Tommy Lloyd has done so far in just a short week, it's, it's been pretty amazing. And it's only seven days into the job. He was introduced a week ago, and since then he's hit the ground running. He's already held a workout. He's already landed a commit for 2022. He's gotten guys out of the transfer portal. I mean, if you're an Arizona fan, I, I think you've got to be pretty happy at this point. No, definitely. We're talking to Justin Spears here on Valkyrie Radio 2.0. He's from the Arizona Daily Star, the Wildcaster podcast, ESP, like everywhere. Just if he's online, you can find him at Justin <laughs> Esports. You know, you can find him on Twitter that way. And talked a lot about basketball, too. And obviously, I think Tommy Lloyd, it's, it's funny the juxtaposition between Tommy Lloyd and Jed Fish. It's going to be there, right? They're hired about the same cycle. They're each going to their first seasons. Tommy Lloyd, I don't think, has much of a honeymoon period because a lot of people thought that Arizona is going to be a top 15, top 20 team next year if no coaching change was made. So I don't think Tommy Lloyd gets the benefit of the doubt from a lot of people. Like, they have to be a tournament team next season. They have to be pretty good and show that promise for the future. Like, that's why this last week is huge for him, right? Everything's been a win so far, keeping guys that you want to keep. You mentioned Ben Matherin earlier. He's not in the transfer portal yet that we know of. So until someone puts their name in the portal, they're still a wildcat, and Tommy Lloyd's doing a good job. Jed Fish gets a honeymoon period because that team's not supposed to be any good at all. Like, whereas whereas no. some people are like, why would you fire Sean Miller? I don't think there was anyone who was saying, why would you fire Kevin Sumlin when that move was made? So if we pivot over to football, they're in the final week of spring practice right now, which Arizona did not get spring ball last year. They got like a week of it, if I remember right, in 2020. But yep. they have a quarterback battle that might be missing the guy who ends up winning it right now, Jordan McLeod, who can't be with the team yet. Um, from what it sounds like, the defense has played pretty well. The defensive front especially got some good cornerbacks, but offensively the quarterback situation looks a bit more complicated than it was last season when we knew it was B. Grant Gunnell. Just your impression of Jed Fish, I guess your early impressions of the Jed Fish era era from someone who's down in Tucson watching things. It's a breath of fresh air for a lot of these guys. You look at the overall vibe of practice, how the guys are responding to the coaches. They look genuinely happy to be out there. Where in the past, they didn't really vibe with the coaches. And, and you could just tell there's just a different energy uh, when you go out to practice. And, yeah, I do agree with the, the honeymoon phase because, let's be real here, Arizona is going to be winning, what, three, four games next year, realistically, if that. Well, if they win four, I think Bernie um, Stoffel owes Brian and I some beer, so. Yeah, it was it was four, and it was the best kind of bet because there's no downside to us other than the fandom of the pain of not making four wins. <laughs> so, yeah, so we don't owe him anything if we don't get it. So we're expecting four. Yes, yeah, so we can four go wins. That number. Yeah, okay. at least four. Okay, but it, it's a work in progress, and the, you say the defense has impressed so far. Well, I think a big part of it is because the offense has struggled right. because <laughs> they're going up they're going up against each other. In practice, so the defense has looked tremendous because the offense has just been, just I don't even know how to describe it. It's like like yesterday they did two minute offense, and it took them a minute and forty three seconds to get one or two first downs. So 
you know, two-minute offense, but it's taking you this long and you can't even get on the other side of the field. Um, that was just one drive that I watched. So Arizona football fans, I'm not going to sit here and, and say um, it's going to be the worst season possible because I think that already it's happened. Gonna be, it's going to be really hard to top last year. Yeah. But I'm also not going to say that they're going to be, you know, having roses in, in, in their near future. But um, I think with the quarterback competition, Gunnar Cruz is big. Um, he's physical. Like, he's just like that, a, a, almost like Grant Gannell slash Nick Foles. Like, he's got the body for it. He can maneuver in the pocket and use his legs when he wants to. Um, but his big thing is timing and, you know, connecting with those wide receivers. There have been so many times in camp where Stanley Berryhill could have a 75-yard touchdown, 80-yard touchdown, but Gunnar Cruz overthrows him by – four yards, three yards. Like, it's just out of his fingertips. And I give him the benefit of the doubt because his first day on campus was literally the first day of spring ball. So he was just thrown into the fire, and he even told us last night, my first day in practice, I went into the huddle, and I only knew two people. It was <laughs> Stanley and Jamari, and that's just because we're, we're all Arizona guys. So Gunner, he struggled, but the progress that he's made – is something to behold. And yeah. he's he's shown that he's capable of being the starting quarterback, but um, is he the best quarterback in the Pac-12 South? No. Um, is he the best quarterback on the roster? That remains to be seen because Will Plummer kind of plateaued there after the first week of spring, but since then has really picked it up. And then you have Jordan McLeod, who's like the X factor here. You don't know what's going to happen with him. He's a quarterback from, from South Florida. He's not as big as Gunnar Cruz. You know, Gunnar is 6'3", 6'4", where Jordan McLeod is six foot, and can do just a little bit of everything. So right now, Arizona is just in this period where they want to get a feel for what they have and what they can build around. But then once June comes around, it's rolling that ball out once again, and it's open competition. And I, I was telling somebody this um, a couple days ago. You know what? I really don't think that they're going to name a starting quarterback until about 10 minutes before kickoff. Because if you're Jet Fish, why the hell would you do that? You're already going to be an underdog against BYU. And to be honest with you, they're probably going to be a, a double-digit underdog in Las Vegas. Why are you going to give your opponent a competitive advantage by knowing who the quarterback is going to be? Just leave it open. Hey, it's going to be either of these three guys, and don't announce the quarterback until 20 minutes before uh, kickoff. Back to the depth chart of Orr. Okay. I was going to say, I didn't realize we had Rich Rod joining us today. <laughs> <laughs> um, man, good old Rich Rod. Which, yeah. by the way, he's doing good things at Louisiana Monroe. It, it, it looks fun to see him you know, crack a smile and be out there with his son. But oh, yeah. going, back to, going back to Arizona – um, the offense with Gunnar Cruz and Will Plummer, that quarterback competition has been the big thing. Um, moving around the offensive line, you know, what's going to happen with Donovan Lye? He's arguably the best offensive player that Arizona has. And is he going to play tackle? Is he going to play guard? Uh, that I don't know. And then you also add in the wide receivers, all the guys who were thinking about leaving but decided to come back. Uh, Stanley Berryhill, Booby Curry, Jamari Joyner. 
Uh, those guys have looked great in practice. Uh, Brian Castillo's looked great. Uh, but going back to uh, Booby, he was an interesting case because it almost, to me, seemed like he was a two-for-one deal with Grant Canel. Mm -hmm. It was like you were, you were going to get both of them or you were going to get none of them. And with Grant leaving, I was like, oh, man, Booby's gone for sure. He was, and then he decided to come back. And that, I applaud his maturity because he's showing everyone, hey, I don't need to be on Grant's side all the time. I don't need to be his teammate at all times in order to shine. He's He gave the coaching staff a chance. Kevin Cummings is a young wide receiver who has Pac-12 experience. Briefly, like, and by briefly, I mean like had a cup of tea in the NFL, but has been a young coach, was great on Brendan Carroll's staff at San Jose State a year ago. And this is going to be a pass-friendly, offensive friendly team that's going to throw the ball a lot under Jed Fish. So if you're a wide receiver and you look at the depth chart right now, why not come back and be a part of this offense? So, but the defense, oh man, man, I, I tell you what, you could hear Don Brown from like four miles away. <laughs> He's got such a distinct voice and he is so loud when he wants to be. It's just, it's really cool to see a coach like that, you know, get into the players, coach them up, and really push them. And it, it's, it's definitely a different change of pace for sure. I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective, Justin. You kind of talked a little bit about seeing some of the stuff at practice. Um, I think we know where the, the position groups of concern on the offensive side of the ball are for sure with Arizona at the quarterback and the O-line spot. Um, you know, I, you know, you said like the de is the defense looking good or is it because the offense is bad? I'm curious to to know. Do you think from what you're observing is this an opportunity for the O line and quarterbacks to be learning from the the very aggressive, high blitzing, you know, Doctor Blitz defense? And is that going to pay off? You think when the season comes around? Well, yeah, 100 percent. Because every single defense in the Pac-12 last year just brought the house almost every single play because how are you going to stop it? The offensive line last year couldn't stop a nosebleed. And that was because of, you know, injuries, guys also struggling, going through the COVID year, which takes a toll on you mentally. And then, you know, you also add in losing and just the state of the program. I mean, the culture was bad at Arizona last year. And you saw it in that ASU game. I mean, they were just, they were just ready to check out. They were completely done with the season. They were just done. Oh, you mean when they give up like a 108-yard kickoff return for a touchdown on the opening kickoff? Is that your way of saying they were not ready to play or didn't care anymore? Uh, I mean, no, I was talking I, about – uh, You know, I, that, that you know. <laughs> probably, no, probably the next three touchdowns in the next 30 seconds. No, no I was going to say, I was thinking more <laughs> along the lines of uh, giving up two touchdowns in 53 seconds. Um, I still couldn't believe that. It was, it was 11 – Oh, seven left in the first quarter, and Arizona was down fourteen to zero. Every, everyone was just so stunned in the press box, like, "Wow, this is how it's ending for the Kevin Sumlin era." Um, but the the defenses that they faced last year, they were just so aggressive on Arizona, and rightfully so because they just they couldn't stop anything. And I think with Don Brown and 
how difficult his defense is and all the different looks that he's throwing at Arizona, it's going to make the offense better. Uh, linebacker Anthony Pandy uh, said last week, I think there are over 50 different defensive calls for Arizona right now. Over 50, and it's just in spring ball, where the first day it was right around 30. So as spring ball progressed, the more calls were placed on these guys. And it's only going to increase from there because then you got to go into the off season or the, the summer. Then you go into preseason training. It's So with Don Brown trying to get these guys accustomed to his defense and his style of play and then testing it out against the offense, it's like iron, sharp, iron sharpens iron. You're only going to get better. And um, the offense has struggled, but as camp progresses, you see flashes of what it could become. And I think a big part of that is what the defense has done. All right, Justin, got one more question for you, and that's, I mean, yeah, football with the new coaching staff, new schemes all over. It's interesting to see them grow and being able to watch that happen over spring ball. Actually being able to watch it happen, too, having practices open to the media, I'm sure. Yeah. Gives you that different perspective to watch, to see it happen, where Jed Fish isn't afraid to have people see what he's doing, what he and the coaching staff are doing. Even though they know the talent may not be where they want it, their coaching is what they want to do. But we'd be remiss, I think, we didn't ask you. I know Adia Burns and that women's basketball program, what they did, making it to the championship game, being one shot away from winning the whole thing, just that run, the recruiting that they're doing, just what kind of a jolt has that program given the Tucson community, especially the Tucson sports community? Because, I mean, that was a hell of a run they went on, and it seems like it's just the beginning. It is. Uh, well, the, the, the WNIT championship run was the, the beginning stages of what this could become because every single game during that run, more fans showed up. Yeah. You know, the first game in the WNIT uh, bracket, I mean, I, I think they got, what, a little over 3,000 or something like that. And then all the way until the championship game, they sold out McHale Center, set a Pac-12 attendance record for women's basketball. How, do, how does little old Arizona – a team that's been in the cellar of the conference for as long as I can remember. I mean, since uh, Joan Bonvicini left, they've been just a doormat of the conference. And they were the ones that broke the Pac-12 attendance record. Not Stanford, not Oregon, not UCLA, not USC, not ASU, but it was Arizona. That moment right there watching that WNIT championship kind of let me know, you know what's going to happen. And then they had a great year last year, but then COVID hit. We didn't finally get to see what Erin McDonald could do in the NCAA tournament, how she could spread her wings. And who knows, maybe if, if COVID didn't happen, she balls out in the NCAA tournament. Maybe Erin McDonald doesn't come back right. for this upcoming year. Maybe she decides, hey, I should probably you know go to the WNBA and make some money and then go overseas or, or do whatever. Uh, but then she comes back for one more season. And she lets everyone know, like, this is it. This is my last hurrah. I'm leaving after this year. To see that all come together, Aaron McDonald, the greatest basketball player in UA women's basketball history. And then you have Adia Barnes, who was the former GOAT in the program, be the coach in the face of the program. And those two work together side by side. And then you add in the, the supporting cast of very important players 
like Sam Thomas, who's this defensive specialist who can also get you a bucket when she wants to. Uh, you add in Kate Reese, um, who's been special ever since she's been at Arizona. McDonald's All-American. Um, Trinity Baptiste, the transfer forward from Virginia Tech. She was the sixth player of the year in the ACC. Replacing Dominic McBride at the power forward spot was huge. So all these pieces came together for Arizona. And then all you needed was just a little bit of luck. And by the luck, I mean they didn't have to face Stanford or UConn until the Final Four. Yeah. Where they, they got lucky, of course, facing Stony Brook, facing the 14th seed, beat the brakes off of them. And then right after that, facing BYU, another double-digit seed, beating them, and then facing Texas A&M, who struggled during the entire NCAA tournament run, and you felt like their time was going to run out, and then Arizona, led by Aaron McDonald, just comes out and just handles them. It's honestly just remarkable, and you guys know this just as much as I do. Tucson is a basketball community. It's always been a basketball community ever since Lute Olson took over the program, um, the men's program, back in 83. When the basketball program is thriving, there's just a different buzz around Tucson. You guys have been in Tucson. You guys have been in Tucson in the month of March. Mm -hmm. There is just a different feel to Tucson in the city whenever the Cats are on an NCAA tournament run because the weather's warming up, everyone's feeling good, and then Tucson's team is just representing us on the national stage. That's what the women's basketball team did. And it certainly helped with the men's basketball team not having any part in the NCAA tournament. So everyone's focus was on the women's basketball team, and rightfully so, because they were so dominant all year long. They set so many different records and milestones, and for them to be one bucket away from winning a national championship, uh, job well done, and, and words just can't describe the job that Adia Barnes has done. No, it was so much fun to watch. We had P.J. Brown on, one of your colleagues, too, talking about that run. She was great, and the coverage you guys had put together for that run, and they couldn't get enough of it. I know Tucson can't get enough of Arizona basketball no matter what. So, Justin, thanks again for joining us. Uh, I know people can find you on Twitter at Justin E. Spears and pretty much everywhere else you do. Is you have anything you want to plug or anything you want Blockout Radio 2.0 listeners to be looking forward to coming from you? Sure. Well, going back to the women's basketball team, I'm just glad that uh, the city of Tucson didn't riot when they lost uh, the <laughs> national championship. I know uh, people have been upset with some results of Arizona basketball games in the NCAA tournament, um, but – no, I mean, you know, the Arizona Daily Star, I mean, we're pumping out a bunch of great content. Uh, we're, you know, still doing spring football. We have the spring game coming up on Saturday with Gronk and Teddy Bruschi coming into town. So you could follow, you know, all of our coverage on Tucson.com and the Wildcaster app. And then, you know, we have an offseason uh, coming up with, you know, what's going to happen with UA basketball and what's going to happen with the roster and, you know, who are they going to land. So Arizona basketball never stops. You have UA football, you got UA softball and baseball. I mean, there's just there's so much to plug. But like going back to our first point of this podcast, I'm glad that there's just so much to talk about rather than nothing at all. So and I and I appreciate you guys for allowing me to come on and just ramble about U of A sports. I appreciate everything that you guys do and 
uh, you guys are just the best. And I, and you guys have a great podcast, and you guys are awesome. So oh, yeah. thank you. You talk like that, you're welcome back anytime. Justin Spears, thanks for joining <laughs> us. And we'll definitely catch up with you down the road. And we come back, we're going to take a break, and we come back. As we've all said this whole time, Arizona Athletics never stops. There's always more news, always more notes. We'll get into it. And thanks again to Justin Spears for that. That was a great conversation, Brett. I mean, poor Justin, and I say this, I think he loves his job. But when you're kind of like the swing guy, when you're not the beat reporter for any one program, but you're kind of the guy who covers all of them, there really is no break for him. So basketball is supposed to be the offseason. There is no offseason for them right now because they just went through a coaching change. And football, of course, it's spring ball. But, you know, some of the things that we didn't touch on, there is always news. He said it. We've said it. Arizona Athletics never stops. You know, we mentioned that Arizona picked up a transfer, Omar Ballo, you know, from Gonzaga. Um, James Akinjo is still in the transfer portal that we know of. Arizona did lose a couple of guys. K.J. Simpson, who was a commit, uh, wanted out of his letter of intent. Arizona granted that. And also, Kim Aiken, who, I guess, can you really lose something you never had? Same thing with K.J. Simpson. Kim Aiken elected to transfer to Arizona the day before Sean Miller was fired, and he has now decided to go to Washington State instead. So, yeah, I mean, that's not surprising. <laughs> I'm reminded of, uh, was it Luke Recker? Was the the in, Miss, Miss Indiana basketball guy that committed to Arizona never played a game, or who was the was it Garen Justice, the O line coach that Rich Rod hired right before he got fired, um, and then went back to his old job? You know, we har- uh, Kim Aiken, we hardly knew ye. But... And good luck to him. Like I appreciate that. You know, he wanted to come to Arizona, but totally understandable why he's not there now. <laughs> well, and, and now he's going to go. He, he, you know, he's coming from Eastern Washington. Now he's going to go to Washington State which is nearby geographically. Um, it, it, it's, you know, ironically near near Spokane where Gonzaga is, but I'm not sure uh, Gonzaga is uh, chomping at the bit to add. Clay Aiken is, you know, he's Kim he Aiken. was... He's, Kim Aiken. Clay Aiken. Kim Aiken. Oh, yeah, Clay, Clay Aiken, Aiken probably, that's a different thing. They would not be happy to add. He's probably not that good at basketball. He, he's he's probably not getting too many minutes. No, I would <laughs> so. Not even on Washington State. Probably uh, do a mean uh, national anthem, though. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and then also, uh, hot off the presses, Adam, I don't know if you saw that uh, the women's basketball team hired a couple of assistant coaches, April Phillips and Aaron, Aaron Grant, to replace the, to fill the openings on their staff. Yeah. Uh, you know, some housekeeping items. Uh, it's kind of so, interesting, like a lot of the turnover on that staff, but also when you have success assistants, as Arizona basketball, men's basketball knows, when you see assistants in other schools that are doing a good job, you want them. <laughs> like, not going to be yeah, a coaching opening I, at Arizona anytime soon. And I think uh, in April Phillips's case, I think she was on the staff a few years ago. I uh, was known as a now. pretty good recruiter. Uh, went to Cal, and you know, I think she's considered a pretty t- strong recruiter. You know, mo- you know, looking at AZ Desert Swarm, they're saying that uh, she helped the Cal Golden Bears get a top ten recruiting class in 2020. And uh, you know, it's a good time to have good recruiters well, if I mean, you're going to capitalize on the run for Arizona women's team. Dia Barnes has been struggling on the recruiting trail, so it's good that she gets some help there to kind of bolster her efforts, which have been, you know. Unsuccessful, I feel like. On the, no, they, she's been great. Like, it seems like every few days you see something good news out of them, you know, adding a transfer or a commit, you know. it's. But, yeah, Arizona women's basketball making some moves there, following up that successful tournament run that, man, they were so close to winning the whole thing. <laughs> but they got the Final Four, and they, beat, they took down the mighty UConn Huskies, so. The crap out of them. So much fun. Um, other things that are happening, Arizona men's tennis has been really good. 
Um, and beach volleyball has been really good too. Baseball's been okay. They keep winning series. It seems like they lose the first game like badly. That was Washington State last weekend. They just got smoked in the first game, then won the next two. You're like, oh, okay, that's the series win. You'll take it. Softball did struggle against ASU. They were swept up in Tempe in the Pac-12 portion of the four-game set. They won the other game that was not conference play. So that was disappointing, <laughs> to say the least. You never like losing, <laughs> let alone to ASU. But what can you do? I know Arizona women's soccer, they just missed the tournament. Um, a lot of people think they should have made the tournament, the smaller tournament, based on COVID. But even still, a lot of people think they should have made it in based on the fact that they were better than ASU, and ASU did make it in. So, yeah. uh, what do you got? What do you got to end on a downer, Adam? Um, let, let's let's find something good then. I don't have to end it just there. Um, let's see what's going on right now. That's good. Finding something good. Anybody? Anybody? Oh, Arizona made the top ten for a four-star defensive tackle. I don't you got to be the top, top tens. Like, hey, got to be in the top ten to be the to be have a chance of being the pick. I feel like that's not exactly true. They're probably in some recruits. So a team was not in the top ten, and then they got picked anyway. Hey, you're coming back at me with all this damn negativity, Adam. Um, um, oh shoot. <laughs> um, Arizona beat baseball, crushed New Mexico State. There you go. This week, so that was good. Yeah. So on that high note. <laughs> we appreciate it again. Thanks to Justin Spears for joining us this week, sharing some insight on Arizona basketball and football. There's a lot going on with both. Uh, thank you for listening, everyone. You know, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you are subscribing to us on iTunes, Spotify, all those places you get podcasts. You can get Wildcat Radio 2.0. Follow us on Twitter at Wildcat Radio AZ. While you're at it, there's always some good stuff coming from there. We do appreciate the interaction. Brett gets bored sometimes when he's running that. So, yeah, otherwise, we'll catch up with you next week. The Arizona football spring game is this weekend. We're going to talk about that next week. And until then, remember to bear down. Bear down.